to the Celtics Reddit podcast. I'm here, Wayne Spoonie, hosting, and actually I am solo today. Uh, I will address that very quickly if you have not heard. Celtics J is not going to be on the podcast anymore. Really, I think it just came down to some creative differences between him and Ben. I was not really involved. Uh, You know, on a personal level, I really like Jay. I really have nothing bad to say about him. But going forward, he's just not going to be a part of the team anymore. So that's really all I have to say about it. Um, I, I think Ben will probably address it as well. Uh, I just figured I'm the next one who's on, right? Uh, it would be weird if I didn't say something about it. So yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's going on. But other than that, I'm rolling solo today. So I got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. I just got back from a week vacation on the beach in Avalon in New Jersey. It was uh, not the warmest weather ever, and my kid woke up at 3.30 to 4 a.m. every day. So, you know, I've had more relaxing vacations, I'll just say that. But regardless, lots of news, lots of good stuff to talk about. So what I'm going to do today, we're going to hit the draft. We're going to hit some TPE targets. We're going to hit some news we have about someone not participating in Summer League, and then I'm going to talk quickly about the DeJounte Murray trade or lack thereof. Okay, so two big things that happened at the draft. Well, one relatively big thing. No no big things happened at the draft. Let's be honest here. The Celtics yet again, you know, no fireworks, no John Collins trade, nothing like that that I think, you know, people that aren't Celtics fans were hoping, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy with just adding to this core, grabbing some, you know, a couple of guys or one of the guys that I'll talk about with the TPE, maybe an MLE target, and rolling it back, man. We just made the finals. We don't want to do anything crazy. We don't want to blow this core up. We're doing great. So with the 53rd pick, the Celtics selected J.D. Davison. Davison, not Davidson. Davison, which I will do my best not to fuck up as we move forward here in the season. So, um, you know, it seemed like actually a pretty positive reaction from C's fans about JD. Uh, so user R Otis four two zero sixty nine. I'm not sure what those numbers mean, but nonetheless, that's what those are his the some random numbers he got at the end of his name said bro go watch his highlights he's fucking explosive yeah i will say that so i i I like the pick right so when you're looking for somebody late in the draft nobody's gonna be perfect right like most of these guys are not gonna make the nba you're looking you know needle in a haystack type of things at least with this kid we know he can hang in the nba athletically And that's a good start, right? Like, his skills are probably not up to snuff. He's not at a point where we can go out there, throw him the ball for 18 minutes a night, and he's going to play positive winning basketball. But that's okay. It's the 53rd pick. 
you don't really expect, you know, he wouldn't be the 53rd pick if he was good at basketball right now. But at least he hits that threshold of being able to play basketball at an NBA level with his athleticism. So I don't love us going guard. I'd prefer we look for like a biggish shooter. But again, like this draft, I think, really showed where the NBA is going. There's so many big wings taken, like a Jalen Williams kid from Santa Clara. He was a late mover. And they're like, oh, he can shoot. He's six eight seven some seven one seven two wingspan. He can defend. Why is this guy projected late first? Boom, he goes twelfth to Oklahoma City. So, um, I'm a big Paulo Banchero guy. So I feel you know he really reminds me of what people were saying about Tatum. He's a dookie shot creator. He's got the athletic profile to play defense decently. So I'm not shocked he went first. I actually. That's probably who would I, I would have taken first if I was Orlando. I think this top three and, well, top four, other than Keegan, top top <laughs> top four prospects, maybe not top four draft picks. Um, I think any of those guys could have gone one. It's just really about their fit on the specific teams. And I think Orlando is desperate for a number one shot creator, the hub of the offense. And I think they're going to get it with Paulo. Chet's a weird prospect. I like him in Oklahoma City. They've already got that guy in Shea, so that makes a lot of sense for them uh, to end up with Chet, and my cat is interfering already. We're off to a very hot start. And then Jabari Smith, I think he's going to be an awesome pick-and-roll partner for Jalen Green, and he's a solid defender. You know, he allows you to play Sangoon a lot more, so I actually love the fit. I think these three guys ended up in the best situation for them and for the teams that drafted them. So all of it made a ton of sense to me. Other than the Kings, I like Keegan Murray. You know, he's an interesting player. Uh, I would have gone Jaden Ivey there. I think that dude is electric. He's awesome. He's not as electric or explosive as J.D. Davison, but, you know, you got to live with it, I guess, uh, when you're picking fifth instead of 53th. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. So anyway, I, I'm interested to see. I think worst case scenario, Davison's fun as hell to watch for the Summer League team. Another thing we did that's pseudo draft related, the Celtics signed Trevion Williams, who is, uh, I believe, a Wake Forest center, great passer can bang in the post, can shoot it a little bit. If it's starting to sound like Horford, that makes sense. Except for the fact that I watched some of this dude's defensive highlights and possessions and the man, I get why he went undrafted. He cannot move his feet at all. At all. He's looking like me out there with the cross steps and the fumbling around, but he'll be fun in summer league, right? Like throwing passes, running off JD, maybe Neesmith if Neesmith plays. So I think he'll be a fun summer league player. I bet he will dominate in Europe. I wish him all the best. And, you know, I I hope he makes it, man. I hope he's a contributor to the Celtics. That would be awesome. But unfortunately, I highly doubt it, especially the way we play defense. It just does not seem like that's going to happen. All right. So that's the draft. Now, the fun stuff. What we've all been waiting for is the Celtics using their multitude of TP. We got all sorts of fucking TPE. We got every TPE under the sun, right? That's what we want. We want to see this team add to this core, not get rid of any of the guys in the core. And the best way to do that is use these TPEs. My guess is, so 
we've got multiple, but you got to think we're going to take in very little salary when we use the TPEs, and that provides value to the teams that are trading us guys. So we're just adding salary on top of a team that's going to be pretty into the tax already. So my guess is we're not going to use, we've got three pretty good sized ones. We are not going to use all three. Like one of the guys I'm going to talk about fits into one of our smaller TPEs. If this guy's our target, we are not getting him and somebody else with the four near TPE. I just don't see it. That would be awesome. But nonetheless, <laughs> I just I just don't see it happening, man. I just don't see us being 20, 30 million into the tax. But again, that would be amazing. All right, so I've got four dudes that I think would be good fits for the Celtics. Although the more I looked into this, like I dug into some advanced stats, watched some video. I think I've found the dude. So there's one guy that is the probably the worst player right now, but would be my number one target considering how young we are. And, and then the other guy who just makes way too much sense, especially for the other team, which I think is important. And, you know, we don't consider much, right? We're just worried about like, what can the Celtics get? Well, also the other team's got to be willing to trade it to us, right? So the first one is what I will call the boring one, right? And that is... Alec Burks of the New York Knicks. Burks, 12, 5, and 3 last year. Rebounds, assists. He's a average defender. Um, and I think that's important when we're looking at targets for the Celtics in this offseason. With the mid-level exception, with any of the TPEs, you got to ask yourself two questions. Does he compromise the defense? If he doesn't, you ask yourself another question. Is he a bad defender? If he isn't, then you say, okay, we can consider this guy for one of our TPEs or the mid-level exception, or on a minimum, like the Celtics are just not going to compromise what they do best, which is the defense, the switchable defense, the, there are nobody, there's no one to attack, right? Like we can get away with a PP level defender who's maybe slightly below average, but like, I'm not going to talk about Luke Kennard. And the reason I'm not going to talk about Luke Kennard is because he get crossed up in the playoffs like you don't want to invest one of your last ways to add true playoff level talent to this team and get a guy who's not actually going to play in the playoffs so Luke Kennard is an absolute ridiculously good offensive player he would make our offense hum he would be great but I ain't going to talk about him because I don't think it makes sense to add a guy who cannot play defense to this team so yeah I got four and again, I apologize for my background if you're on YouTube. That's why that's why I do the digital background, but it's very difficult on our recording software. So here I am. Please ignore the we're we're remodeling down here. So uh it's a little, <laughs> a little rugged, more rugged than normal. Anyway, Alec Burks. Defensive LeBron, basically zero plus point zero four. Like a solid defender. He led the Knicks in Raptor. Like, all right, he's the best Nick. He's the best Nick. He's the best player on a shit team as far as Raptor, which is 538's um, proprietary advanced stat. He had a plus 5.8 net differential. The Knicks were like six points per 100 better with Alec fucking Burks on the court. <laughs> I don't know what that says about Burks. I think it says probably more about the Knicks. But nonetheless, like... 
Very good player, man. Like, you got a 15.8 assist percentage, so that's pretty solid. What I'm really looking for with all four of these guys is, one, step one, you can't be a bad defender. You don't have to be good. You just can't be bad. Two, got to move the ball some. Three, you got to be able to knock down open shots. That's such a huge thing for this Celtics team. We need another guy that's decently sized. Like these, all all these guys are wings or big wings uh, that can make open threes at a decent rate. And ideally, they move the ball. And a bonus, it would be great if they could either be kind of like a roll man as a big, or they could operate as a ball handler. You know, we saw there was limited ball handling. There was just limited offensive creation for the Celtics in the playoffs, especially as we got deeper. And there's multiple ways to have awesome offensive creation, right? You can be a solid role man. You can be a pick and pop guy that opens it up for Tatum and Brown a lot more or smart. Or you could also be a ball handler, right? Like you get that swing pass from Tatum on the weak side and you exploit a rotating defense or it'd be great too if you could run a pick and roll. So that's what I'm looking for. All these guys are, you know, 6'5", six, 6'4", six, and bigger, but none of them are centers. I think that's probably what we target with the MLE, unless we're just going to say, hey, it's Tice. So Burks, he fits more in the secondary ball handler category, like I said, about a 16% assist percentage, which is not bad, right? He's moving the ball some. Fairly low usage at 17%. Gunner from three, man. He shot 40% from three over the last three years. Like, this dude can shoot the ball really well. 80th percentile. So let me take a step back. Every single one of these dudes, I got their four most common play types and what percentile amongst the league they are per synergy. This is the 80th percentile as a spot-up guy. That's pretty damn good, and I like the spot-up number more than just the catch-and-shoot number because it takes into if you drive off a spot-up, and I think that's a really important ability that we kind of saw some of the Celtics be limited in in the playoffs. Like, Pritchard's an incredible spot-up shooter, but if you run him off the line, we saw in the finals, like, he can't do as much as you hope if he Drives into the paint, right? Same with Grant Williams. So we're looking for guys who can really take advantage of their spot-up opportunities, not only by making open threes, but by driving, kicking, scoring. So that's why I went with the spot-up number instead of just the pure catch-and-shoot number, which Burks is excellent at at both of them. 80th percentile is a spot-up. 88th percentile is a pick-and-roll ball handler, which is, like, bizarre. Um only turns it over on seven and a half percent of his pick and rolls. And, you know, in comparison, Tatum is 15.7. As a transition player, he's pretty incredible. 89th percentile and ISO 78th percentile. The weakness with Burks, one of the worst rim finishers in the NBA period, 23rd percentile as a rim finisher, which is, like, absurdly bad. You know what I mean? Like, that is, how? How are you so good at shooting, and then you just, like, you must just get blocked all the time? I I don't know. You just cannot finish over length. It's like me out there trying to throw hook shots up over Rob Williams, right? Just launching that shit into the stands all day, every day. But I think Burks brings, he's probably the best 
best or second best defender of this group. He makes open shots, although he doesn't take as many as you'd probably hope. And he's got legitimate secondary creation upside. Um, and he was thrust into a primary creation role for the Knicks, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, so dumb. He did it for Philly, too. So he can do that in a pinch. Uh, I think he would be a really great addition. I think he's probably the cheapest of these guys from an asset standpoint. I mean, it sounds like the Knicks might just give us give him to us so they can go get Jalen Brunson because, again, it's the Knicks. <laughs> Why do they do anything? I don't know. Um, and uh, real quick, I want to shout out user Coconut Benjamin. Uh, who created, if you have not read this post on the sub, please go read it, a somewhat comprehensive list of possible targets for the Celtics this season. And he breaks it down into the big TPE, some of the smaller TPEs, and MLE targets. It's really well done. There's tons of names out there. Like If you want to familiar, familiarize yourself with the targets that are available at these different price levels, Check out Coconut Benjamin's post on the subreddit uh, because he did a really good job. So the next guy I want to talk about is what I would call the weird fit, and that is Kyle Kuzma. Kuz, like 17 and 7 and 3 this year. I mean, he had a monster season for the Wizards. Um, He might be the worst defender of this crew or at least second worst. And then I think between Burks and one of the other guys, there's a pretty big gap. And then it's Kuzma and uh, the third guy who are close to bad. Here's the thing about Kuzma, though. He was good defensively for the 2020 Lakers for the bubble championship. Frauds, fake, not a real championship Lakers. Uh, He was good defensively for them. Washington was a shit show. So who knows, maybe, you know, he's getting caught up a little bit in the fact that nobody was playing defense other than Denny Avdia for the Wizards. So, you know, D LeBron is a minus 2.26. He's a massive, 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 massive negative on Raptor. Massive, like ugly shit negative. You know, 50th percentile is a spot up guy. I think a lot of that's the fact he's only he's a 36% from three about over the last three years from catch and shoots. He can get to the rim. He's pretty good at attacking off the bounce when he's got a rotating defense, but he is not. You know, teams leave him open. The vast majority of his threes are either open or wide open. He's terrible at pull-up threes, and he takes a lot of them. He's a Bad transition finisher. 43rd percentile as a transition finisher. Turns it over a quarter of the time in transition. A quarter of the time. Like, what? What are you doing, Kuz? Checking out the Kardashians. It's courtside or something. I don't know. Last time we had a Kardashian guy, it was Tristan Thompson. He's my least favorite Celtic of the last 20 years. I hate that guy. So Kuzma's got some bad juju on him. 70th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. 78th percentile in ISO. He's a big body. Like I said, I think his defensive upside's higher than he showed last year. But you never know, man. He's kind of a weird personality fit. 
he's due for a contract after this year, and you know he's trying to get paid after signing for a relatively cheap deal with the Lakers. He's only making $13 million. He's worth a lot more than that. Burks is locked up another year at about $10 million. So originally I went into this thinking Kuzma was my number one target, but I think contextually he's probably the best player if you need like a second option on a bad team. We don't need that. We need maybe a third option, but ideally a dude who can gun open shots, defend his position, and you know do a little creation off second side actions. And Kuzma checks some; he checks those boxes, kind of, kind of. You know, if you need him to get an ISO bucket, like his volume's way higher than Alec Burks on these play types. So I think he, even though his efficiency's worse, I think he's a lot better at them, but. Nonetheless, we don't need a high-volume guy. We got two of them. We got two high-volume wings. We just need another big wing that can knock down shots and make plays. So I'm not super big into the Kuzma acquisition, even though, or like I said, originally he was like my number one target for the Seas. So the third guy I will call the shooter, right? I hope you like these titles. They're really dumb. I made them up very quickly. I had a glass of whiskey and it was like, all right, let's do this. We're going to, we're going to title these. Maybe that'll make it more interesting. Um, the third guy's the shooter. Herder, Kevin Herder, Red Jesus or whatever, whatever his name, this dumbass Nick Davies guy. 12, three and a half, shade under three assists. Doesn't blow you out of the water. 1.2 turnovers. You know, not crazy stats, but I think we all know. Pretty solid player for Atlanta. 12.5 assist percentage. That's okay. Here's the thing. So, Herter grades out as a negative defender. Minus 0.27 LeBron. Minus 0.9 Raptor on defense. Anecdotally, I test wise, he always felt like he did okay. But if you went at Herder, you could get, you know, late clock, you could you could get a decent look off of Herder. Um, I think in a playoff series, he's not Duncan Robinson. He's not going to get played off the floor. But he will be the guy that gets attacked if he's out there, um, unless Pritchard's out there as well. So I think he's just, he's like a bigger version. Like, he's not as quick as Pritchard, he's not as strong. But he's kind of like the wing version of Pritchard defensively, where like he's not a gaping wound out there, but he is attackable. Like I wouldn't want to see him switch on to Giannis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas like a guy like Grant Williams, like go nuts, Giannis, Grant and lock your ass up. So probably a slight negative defensively, which is why I don't love him. But nonetheless... 94th percentile as a catch-and-shoot guy on Synergy. Mm, that's like Ray Allen shit. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. His top four play types, you're not going to be surprised. Number one, but with a bullet, not even close. Number one, spot-ups. 90th percentile as a spot-up guy. So that tells me not only can he catch-and-shoot, which is obvious, he's an incredible catch-and-shoot guy, but he can attack some, right? He's big. He's an okay finisher. He moves the ball, like 12.5 assist percentage, not good, but it's not like black hole, no passing. As a pick and roll ball handler, that's his second most common play type, 67th percentile. It's not great. We're not going to give him pick and roll possessions. It just doesn't make sense in our offense. Like Atlanta only has Trey Young. 
right? So when he goes to the bench, Herter gets these possessions. He will not get them in Boston. That probably will make his efficiency a lot better. He turns it over 15% of the time, which is like around what Tatum does, a little less than Tatum, but Tatum's also like an 82nd, 83rd percentile as a pick and roll ball handler per synergy. So he's just, Tatum's are way better. You know, like why would we take the ball out of his hands? Jalen's better, Smart's better. So he's okay in transition, 67th percentile. And then off screens, 82nd percentile, which is damn good. So Herter's fourth most common play type off screens. I think this is a play type that you'll see become his second most common if he becomes a Celtic, 82nd percentile. That's pretty damn good. Uh, It's like right around, I mean, not quite elite, but getting pretty damn close to elite. So I think offensively, he's easily the best fit of these guys. He's exactly what we're looking for offensively, but then you got to weigh that against, one, he makes the most, but he is locked up for... I think four, three or four more years after this, you know, he's locked up with our core. He's relatively young. He's, I think he's 26. He can get better. He's a great offensive player um, for what we're looking for, right? He doesn't really give you that on ball creation like Alec Burks does, but he's just a frigging gunner, man. And that would be really, really helpful. So, okay. The last guy got my title. Here comes my title. The upside swing. Ah, huh? yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Average 10, 5, 2.3, a too high for his role, 1.3 turnovers. This PJ Washington of the Charlotte Hornets. PJ Washington. Young, I believe he's 23. He has one year left on his rookie deal, so he's due for an extension this offseason. Or he'll hit restricted free agency. Long story short, he's due for a huge raise. Um, he's fits into one of our smaller TPEs. So if Wick says we're going to spend baby spend, we could technically grab him and another one of these guys or another one of the targets that shout out Coco Nut Benjamin <laughs> said. We could add PJ along with somebody else and the MLE. Low usage guy, 15.4 is a big wing uh really more of a power forward center type he played a lot of small ball center for charlotte like a six eight with huge standing reach wing 11.2 assist percentage which for his role isn't too bad i think he's a smart offensive player even if you know you don't really want him to dribble too much right he's not running pick and roll he's not kevin herter he's not isoing the way kuzma can herter we probably wouldn't have pick and roll he's not coming off screens like herter would he's not isoing like kuzma he's certainly not running pick and roll as the ball handler like alec burks would alec burks would um well, I just glitched right there. I said Alec Burks would twice in the exact same way. Where was I? So I actually think PJ Washington might be the best defender of this group. Charlotte was a friggin' disaster defensively last year. I mean, we saw Tatum have one of his best games, even when he was cold as ice to start the season. I think he had like 40-something and uh, 10 assists, 20, 18 potential assists. I mean, Tatum absolutely carved them up all season. He's got a defensive LeBron of uh, plus 0.2. That's around what Jalen had. Um, So not uh, incredible, but not bad. He had a plus plus 
5.1 net differential. So this, the Hornets were five points better per 100 with P.J. Washington on the court than they were with him off. I mean, you know, 59% true shooting percentage out of a guy who shoots a lot of threes. Good, good defender. Grades out pretty bad on 538's Raptor. So it's, you know, he's young, which is maybe, you know, Raptor's seen something I'm not. Maybe Raptor's just kind of got a funky logarithm that we, you know, that's helpful, but not the be-all, end-all. Um, I think his play types are really interesting for who he at, is as a player. I think it makes him a very unique type of player and potentially a Horford replacement. And that's why I'm so high on him. Because what he does on offense, he's a smart ball mover, he's a smart off-ball cutter, and he can shoot, plus he can absolutely slot in at the four defensively. He's an okay, slightly below average rim defender for a five, maybe completely below average for a five, but not bad for a four, and he's pretty switchable. And I think with his offensive skills... That makes him a guy that could replace Horford. And that's why I would be willing to spend some assets to get this guy and let him grow with this core. And that's why I like PJ. Like PJ, number one for a big man is spot ups. That's his number one most possessions is spot ups, 68th percentile. Not bad. Hey, pretty good spot up guy. You know, they're making, making shots. Number two is transition. Young guy gets up to four. Finishes, 78th percentile as a transition finisher. That's pretty good, man. Like, we need young pe- young guys to help push the pace for Tatum and Brown. I think Washington fits into that. His third, we haven't seen this one yet. The roll man. So in pick and roll, roll man. Pick and pop guy. Pick and roll. He could fill in. Play, you know, spell Rob. Play a little small ball center. Him and Grant out there. Be interesting. Probably get murdered on the glass, but it would be really switchable. Lots of shooting. I don't know. I, I, that, I think that's a lineup you could deploy against a team like the Warriors. And it would work. I'm not sure it would work against every team. And I'm sure not sure it would work against Giannis, but spot ups, transition, roll man. And fourth is cuts. Finishing cuts. There's not a lot of players who who are that size that have that spread of offensive skills that are also not bad defenders. There's just not a lot of guys out there, and I think that's what makes Al Horford so unique. Horford isn't bad at anything, and he's 6'10". It's hard to find big guys who are not bad at anything, and I think P.J. fits that bill. I think right now he's not... I think. He's got, he needs, to, he needs to turn into a better player. He needs to be a better shooter. He needs to become a smarter defender. But I, I absolutely think he has the ability to kind of grow into that role. He's not the passer, Al is, but he's not bad. 11.2 assist percentage is okay. Like, not, it's not good. But, you know, he's deployed as a finisher for Charlotte. They have very ball-dominant guys in LaMelo and Gordon Hayward and Bridges and Terry Rozier. So he's not really asked to do any of that kind of facil- facilitating. I think he wouldn't be asked to do a ton of it for the Celtics, but I think you could see that creep up a little bit. I definitely do, and I think he can. He can cut. He cuts off ball. He makes open threes. He can be a roll man, and he can be a. He, he's an okay passer. 
Like that's that's an interesting skill set out of a six eight six nine guy. You don't see very often. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if I said it on cuts, but seventy second percentile as a cut guy, that's pretty good, pretty solid. So he's just a weird, weird player, and I think that's what makes Al so unique and so valuable is that he's a weird player too. So that's why I would really PJ would be my number one target, and not necessarily for next year, just like long term. I think he would be a really awesome piece to pair with the Jays and Marcus Smart. If we're talking about who's actually obtainable, I think Alec Burks is the clear winner here. I mean, that dude basically does everything we need while being an okay defender with solid size that can play the two, can bump Tatum to the four, can probably play a little point guard in a pinch as long as Tatum's out there. If we're just grading these dudes out, if we're talking long-term plays, give me P.J., if we're talking Celtics need to win a title in the next two years, give me Alec Burks, man. I can't believe I'm saying that because I was a Kuzma guy till I started looking at the numbers. You know, the fact that Kuzma's not really, he's not a knockdown. He's not a bad shooter. He's not a bad shooter. He's okay. Decent. Probably a little under good. Shout out Z Gamer. He and I got into it on Twitter and he was right. I can admit defeat. I said Kuzma was a good shooter. He's not. He's okay. He's fine. You know, a little bit above average. Herder, I'd be happy with. Herder's like the consolation prize, right? You ever wanted, like, I want that video game. I want Halo 3. You know, and you get Call of Duty. It's like, all right, Call of Duty's a good game. Call of Duty 4, if you're old like me. You know, I remember when Call of Duty 4 and Halo 3 were the hot stuff. It's like, I want Halo. I want to be a Halo guy. And you get Call of Duty 4 for Christmas. You're like, all right, it's good. It's good. It's not Halo, but it's a good game. That's Kevin Herter. He's our Call of Duty. PJ's my Call of Duty Black Ops. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going with this. But uh, And then I think Alec Burks is Halo 3, man. He's exactly what we need for the moment right now. PJ's the guy that, you know, we hope this video game comes out in the future sometime. But there's no guarantee. So uh, I'd probably put Kuzma last. But those are our TPE targets. So let's move on to some of our news here. Yamadar is not coming to Summer League. User Nibanu8, who is our guy. We love you in the comments, man. Thank you. We appreciate you always listening and always commenting, being involved. He says he might not be cut out for the NBA, honestly. And I think Yam's coming to that realization too. Not playing in the Summer League. Like, it's this is Summer League is for Yamadars, the Yamadars of the, the world to prove to NBA teams they're cut out for the NBA. Yam's not even bothering. And, you know, there's guys who have been over in Europe for many, many years and come over and are solid. There's also guys, you know, Ricky Sanchez or whatever for Philly uh, that are just in Europe till they're. F- you know, retire and some team has their rights and nothing ever happens. And I think slowly, unfortunately, we may be seeing that with Yam. This might be the first indication that Yam understands, you know, he's a Europe guy. He had a fun first summer league game last year and then he looked basically unplayable in summer league. I've always liked Yam. I've always thought, you know, he's worth a shot, worth keeping tabs on. But this is not I I think this is not a good sign personally. Um, and I think after last summer league, I always kind of felt like bags bigger. <laughs> if I can, if I may, bigger uh, was a better prospect. Frankly, he's big. He moves like an NBA player. He's extremely athletic. 
you know, he showed some makings of an open three-point shooter. I know he had kind of a tough year in Paris. They moved up a division. They got promoted. I know he had kind of an up-and-down year over there, but I'm much more interested in bigger than I am Yam at this point. So I'm, sh- I'm glad Beggs is coming over and playing. Okay, last thing. User top impression 6045 said... In a po- he created a post on the subreddit. It's high quality stuff that just said Dejounte Murray. How do we feel about trading for him and moving Marcus over to the two? Okay, Dejounte gonna cost a lot. Three first round picks. They say they want young guys too, so we're probably talking Pritchard, Grant Williams. Three picks. Who knows? Dejounte is an incredible player. Incredible player. I do not think he's much of an upgrade on Marcus. I do think he's an upgrade on Marcus Smart. I do not think he's much of an upgrade on Marcus Smart. I also do not love his fit with Marcus Smart. He's a terrible spot-up guy. Like, you know, not good. He's okay on catch and shoots. I mean, he's okay. Not terrible's too much. He's an okay spot-up guy. He's not that good of a pick-and-roll ball handler. He turns it over almost as much as Tatum, and he's got a lower efficiency as a pick-and-roll ball handler. So... We're going to take it out of Tatum's hands to give it to DeJounte Murray, a guy who's less efficient and turns it over just as much. Is that what we're spending three first round picks on? At least with smarts, not quite as good, not as dynamic as, as a pick and roll ball handler than Tatum, but he's a lot more steady. He's different, right? He doesn't turn it over nearly as much. So what are we going to do? We're going to put DeJounte in the corner. I'm going to give the ball to DeJounte and take it out of a better player's hands or a more reliable player's hands. Move Smart to the corner where he, we know that's not the optimal place for Marcus Smart. You know, if we could get him for a pick, maybe two, maybe Pritchard and Tice. Okay, I'm listening. Three picks, Grant Williams, who... You know, we're all tainted by the Grant Williams finals performance, but we are not in the finals without Grant Williams. I'm sorry. I I would, it would take a lot to get off Grant Williams for me right now. Like, I, I just believe in that dude. So, the, well, the defense would be insane. <laughs> the defense would be insane. Insane. But nonetheless, I don't know. I don't think he's a great fit. Period. He's a better player than Marcus. He's not that much better. He's better. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm in on DeJounte at that price. I just don't think I am, period, flat out. I just don't think he's a good fit for the team. And I think when you are a finals team, you really need to be careful with what your next step is. We've seen finals teams get dismantled in the past. Lakers, fake bubble frauds, oh, Russell Westbrook, oh, he's talented. Yeah, well, that didn't work, did it? So um, I don't think DeJounte Murray's Russell Westbrook, but they got kind of similar games. They can't play off ball, and that team has a better on-ball guy. Like, it does, I don't know. I mean, obviously, DeJounte's better, but he's a tough fit. He's a tough fit. So um, anyway, that's my quick take on DeJounte. Like, I just don't think he's worth the cost, flat out, period. Done. If you can move smart to another team and then get, you know, another shooter, like if you can move smart and come away with Herder, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I But then all of a sudden you're shuffling the deck chairs on a team that made the finals, and that seems like an overcorrection to me. So 
That's how I feel on DeJounte. Anyway, I hope this wasn't too painful. I hope you enjoyed me going solo here. We are recruiting. If you are interested, please DM me on Twitter or on Reddit. Please DM Ben, who's Brutal Gash on Reddit or Celtics Reddit Pod on Twitter. Yeah, and we'll give you a tryout and we'll do it. So anyway, I'm looking forward to Summer League. Ben has a sweet video coming out with the top 20 moments of the season. Cannot wait for that. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. So anyway, until then, we will completely, all of our attention will be on whether Aaron Neesmith is playing Summer League or not. I know at least my attention will be. Spoonie. Or I guess <laughs> I can't, can't say love your work, mate. So anyway, Celtics Red Pod out. <laughs>